their lives serving uh, our country in these various conflicts and wars of the past. And it's right that we should do so. But a day like this is also a day that should remind us that there's something terribly wrong with this world. Even as we remember courage and bravery and service, we have to recall that the fact that we have so much war and conflict is a reminder to us that this is a messed up world. Of course, when regimes and nations go to war, it affects everyone. Very few are left untouched by that. But of course, that war and conflict is, is not just something that is reserved for that big um, landscape. It is part of our human interactions day by day. It is the war and conflict that you see between neighbors who have boundary disputes. It is the conflict that we see in marriages and in relationships. Why is it that two people who've expressed love to each other, commitment to each other, can end up hurting each other so badly? Why is that? Whether on the large scale or on the small scale, a day like this reminds us there's something terribly wrong with this world. What can be done about it? Is there any solutions? Well, I'd like to encourage you to open your Bibles to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. And if you have a church Bible, you can open up to page 1219. Page 1219. We've been working through this letter as a church over uh, a number of weeks now. And while we examined these verses last week and saw them in context, I want to focus in again uh, on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's just read uh, from verse 22 to 25. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This week, these seven words kind of gripped my heart. They're at the end of verse 24. By his wounds, you have been healed. Have you ever considered the wounds of Jesus Christ? Have you ever thought about how he suffered? 
and understood the significance of his wounds. Well, that's what I want us to do briefly this morning in our remaining time. Wounds, according to my concise Oxford Dictionary, are injury to living tissue caused by cut, a blow, or an impact. Typically, skin is broken or cut. When I was a, a child, uh, we lived in Cardiff in Wales, and my family went to Swansea. My parents wanted to visit some friends, and it, they were having pretty boring conversations. So my brother and I uh, just walked about in Swansea, and we found a park to play in. And as we were playing, uh, some local boys turned up, and clearly we were on their patch, and they were not happy about it. And uh, so uh, there's always a bit of uh, tension between Cardiff and Swansea, but there we are. They didn't like us. And so we, I don't know, we were about 11, 12 years old, but a, the group of boys came up and they told us to, to, in no uncertain terms, we should move on. So, well, no, we're staying, we're playing. And then these boys basically just started spitting at us, spitting at our hair, spitting in our faces and they just kept spitting it was horrible I'll never forget that day we, we, we end up running away but I, you know it was such a powerful way to say we despise you you're not wanted here you go away and of course that was the very least of what Jesus suffered he was taken before the Jewish authorities, captured in the middle of the night, a trumped-up trial. They rejected his claim to be their Messiah King. Despite the many miracles he did, despite uh, his amazing life, they rejected his claim to be King. And they charged him with blasphemy. But he confessed that they would one day see him sitting at the right hand of God and coming with the clouds of heaven, which they understood their Bibles. This was a claim to divinity. Blasphemy, they cried. And so they started spitting on him. And they, they blindfolded him. And uh, without knowing where the hit was coming from, they just started punching him and just saying... Uh, you're a prophet. Who hit you? They condemned him to death, but because they were under Roman occupation in the first century, they couldn't put him to death. And so they took him to Pilate and the Roman authorities. Pilate, bemused, sought to seek a way of uh, releasing him, but they were indignant and certain that he needed to die. And so Pilate had him scourged. Um, the Roman scourge was a, as a whip, but with multiple strands. And uh, they put pieces of bone, pieces of rock into those strands. And so with every stroke on the, um, the naked back, it would not only just cut in, it would, it, would, it would bring chunks of flesh out with it. And they scourged him. They plowed his back. Some prisoners were known to die under that alone. Having finished that, then the soldiers who were skilled executioners who'd crucified many wanted some fun before they crucified this man who claimed to be king. And so they put a purple robe on him. 
They, they made a crown of thorns. They jammed it on his head. And with a, with a stick, they beat his head. They kept beating him and threw themselves down in mock homage before him. And all that was nothing. A prelude to the reality of crucifixion. Forced to carry his own crossbeam, uh, he was taken through the streets and then uh, secured to uh, an upright piece of wood. They would have tied his arms and his legs and then they, they, they put nails through his hands, pinned him to the crossbeam. They put nails through his feet uh, to pin him to the upright and then they hoisted the whole thing and dropped it into place. The word excruciating comes from this idea of crucifixion. It was a slow and agonizing way to kill somebody. People could last for days and days. Every breath having to force their body to move, to breathe, would have caused agonizing pain. And people died from blood loss. People died because their lungs filled up and they got congested and uh, suffocated. Have you considered the wounds of Jesus Christ? His body broken upon that cross. I wonder what, what if you've ever thought about it, what, what do you see there? What do you see in his wounds? Well, I want to suggest there are three things, briefly, that we can see in his wounds this morning. Firstly, in his wounds, um, we see that our spiritual sickness is revealed. We are capable of great acts of kindness, courage, love. People can do wonderful things. But we as human beings are also capable of great acts of cruelty, violence, evil. And as we look at the wounds of Christ, we are confronted with this reality that this is what human beings can do to other human beings. You can read through the history books and in times of war and conflict, human beings are capable of very depraved acts of cruelty to other people. And they're not different to us. That same conflict is in our hearts. We see it in the way that even with those that we love the most, we can say words that are aimed specifically to emotionally wound other people. You do that. I've done that. And um, given enough alcohol and the right provocation, uh, it's more than emotional wounds. It can quickly turn to physical abuse and violence. Yes? Many have... Uh, been brutalized and suffered and as we look at the wounds of Christ we see that our sickness is revealed that there's something fundamentally wrong with us there is a moral sickness but it's even greater than that when you look at the wounds and the suffering of Jesus Christ it is our spiritual sickness that is revealed 
the Old Testament scriptures um, promised that actually uh, that God himself would come and shepherd his people. God himself would come. There were little foretastes, little promises. Christmas is coming and the name of one born to a virgin would be Emmanuel. God is with us. And there were written prophecies that looked forward to the day. Well, when God did come, when God came in human flesh, this is what we did. We shouted, crucify him. Crucify him. And they say, well, that's, oh, that's just over the top. I, 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 I you know, I, I don't. That, that's, that's not me, that's not the way I am. But the truth is that the majority of people in the, in the UK today uh, completely ignore who Jesus is. Uh, it's an irrelevance. It is a form of rejection. Here was God come in human flesh. It couldn't be any more significant revelation of who God is, and yet he was rejected. And in the wounds of Jesus Christ, we see our spiritual sickness is revealed. But I want to say more than that. Um, his wounds reveal that a Savior has been given to us. In his wounds, our Savior is revealed. Just a moment ago, Liam read from Isaiah 53. And I want us to turn back to that. So keep your finger in 1 Peter and come back to Isaiah 53. And you'll find this on page 740 in the church Bibles. This is written 700 plus years before the coming of Jesus. Uh, back in chapter 52 and verse 13 on the left-hand side of the page... It speaks of, God speaks of his servant who will come. His servant who will be raised and lifted up. And yet, verse 14, people will be appalled to see him because his appearance will be so disfigured beyond that of any man. Verse 3, this servant of God will be one who would be despised Rejected by men, a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering. Why? Why would this one, this servant, suffer so much? Well, verse 4 tells us that it was for our salvation to deal with our sickness of sin. Verse 4 Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. You see, our sin deserves punishment. But verse 5 goes on. The punishment that we deserved was put upon him. So his punishment brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. My friends, if you look at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and you see his wounds and you see that in his wounds is a reflection of the utter seriousness and horrific nature of our sin, I want you to look at those wounds again and see that actually... 
that in those very same wounds there is the hope of our salvation. Why is there so much conflict and war? It is because we have sinful, evil hearts. The selfishly put, us, put ourselves above other people. And we're willing to hurt those who get in the way. We're willing to make others suffer. Our greed, our pride, our arrogance is what causes wars on a mass scale and what causes it on a human scale. And we are enemies at war with each other because we are enemies at war with God. We don't want anything to do with God. We don't want anything to do with His Word. We, we want to ignore His Son. And this is the sin that deserves punishment. And yet amazingly, God sees a world of rebel sinners who cause such suffering in the world, such chaos, and, and who are shaking their puny fists at Him. And God in His grace and His mercy, He sends a servant who will suffer in our place. Here was someone who was like us in every way except for sin. That's what Peter stresses. It's quite extraordinary. Verse 22, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. A quote taken from Isaiah 53. It didn't take long, did it, after the Blair Brown government years were over, that the books flew off the presses and revealed what they really thought of each other and what they really said about each other. Magazines are, uh, make their money by offering the inside scoop of what's it really like to be married to that Hollywood star. What's it, what those people are really like. Well, here's the incredible thing about what Peter says about Jesus. He spent three years up close to Jesus and he says this, he, he did no sin, he spoke no sin. Here was someone utterly sinless who willingly came to be that suffering servant, to be our substitute so that we wouldn't be punished for our sins, that he would take that punishment. For us. Have you seen his wounds? Do you see how personal this salvation is? This is not some um, missile controlled bomb where from the luxury of uh, you know, uh, a thousand miles away you can press a button and it, off it goes and does its damage. Jesus personally came and it cost him to be our savior. Uh, it's stressed there in verse 24. He himself bore our sins in His body. His flesh torn. His head beaten. His blood shed. His agonizing breaths. And that did not compare to the awfulness of becoming a curse for us. Deuteronomy says, cursed is everyone who hung upon a tree. And that's the significance that Peter writes there. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. He was bearing the wrath of God for our sin in our place. Have you seen his wounds? He came to die in our place. Now, we, we rightly remember today those who sacrificed their lives to give us freedom. I'm thankful to God that 
uh, for all those who sacrificed their lives in the Second World War so that we have a, 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 a grown up in a, in a Britain that we've known. But these men who sacrificed could only buy certain things. They could not deal with the reality that our sinful hearts continue to sin. Jesus came to deal with the greatest problem, that we are enemies with God, that our sin stood in our way of friendship with God, that we are far off from God, and yet in his suffering substitution upon the cross, he makes a way that our sins can be forgiven. He makes a way that uh, the, the, the guilt that we know from our sins in the past can be dealt with and put away and forgiven totally and utterly. And he made a way that our souls can be restored back to God. That's the third thing that his wounds point to us. That our souls are restored. The, the picture changes in verse 25. For you were like sheep going astray. But now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. My friends, our greatest need in this war-torn, conflict-ridden, sin-ridden society is to return to God. Only he can turn abusive, violent, rebel people into people who will speak words of love and grace. Only he can forgive our past. Only he can uh, change us from the inside out. So that as we see the wounds of Christ, we have a basis to forgive one another. To deal with our sin. As we look at the wounds of Christ, that we have a basis that drives holy living, changed living. He died upon the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness, it says. He makes us brand new people that we will live and relate differently to one another. My friends, this is the only hope in this world. I was in Sky over half term and as you drive over these narrow roads, there are sheep there with death wishes. They're just running all over the place far away from the shepherd into all sorts of harm and danger. Well, this is our state today, the Bible says. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have strayed far from the good shepherd. And yet he came and personally suffered on the cross so that our sins would be forgiven. And he was raised from the dead. He is not a dead Lord. He is a living Lord. And he gathers straying sheep who return to him, forgives them, restores them. And guards our souls for all eternity. Have you come to him? Have you come to him? What more does he need to do to show you his love? Have you seen his wounds? Can you see your name written in his wounds? His wounds were there because of your sin. His wounds are there because he is your savior. His wounds are there so that you can be restored to him for all Eternity. Have you done that? Have you personally come to Christ? Have you returned to Him? It means repenting of your sin, acknowledging your guilt, asking for His forgiveness. If you've not done that, why don't you do that today? I'm going to put a prayer up there that you could respond that very way today.
Let's have a look at the prayer. It's a simple prayer. Dear God, I've wandered far from you. I'm not right with you because of my sin, and I'm sorry about that. Thank you that your son lived a perfect life. Please forgive me because Jesus bore my sins in his body on the tree. Please change me to live under his care and leadership from now on. And perhaps there are people here today, and you need to respond to Jesus. You need to respond today by praying to the Father, asking him to do this in your life. I'm going to pray that prayer slowly and give you space to pray it in your own heart and life, that you can come to him today. Consider his wounds. Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear God, I've wandered far from you. I'm not right with you because of my sin. And I'm sorry about that. Thank you that your son lived a perfect life. Please forgive me because Jesus bore my sins in his body on the tree. Please change me to live under his care and leadership from now on. Amen. For all those who've put their trust in Christ, listen to these words again. By his wounds, you have been healed. Praise God for such amazing grace. Amen. Let's sing our final song that reminds us to look up to the